If you still live in an analog world and you forgot to set your clocks back, just want to welcome you to City Harvest Church. We're just getting started. Um, not to get political, but how many people here would like it if Congress voted to just keep the clocks the same way all the time? I mean, it seems like God had an idea with the seasons and just when the sun came up and when it went down, but you know, whatever. I'm not saying what my view on the matter is. Uh, well, welcome. Glad you're here. My name's Peter. I'm one of the pastors here at City Harvest. And um, I feel like I need to clarify that I actually really do mean I'm glad you're here. And uh, it's just nice to gather together and to be able to worship together and uh, just to be family together. Uh, if you, we are going to be opening up our Bibles and actually reading out of the Word of God today. Uh, so if you need a Bible, um, will you raise your hand so the ushers can pass one out so that you can read along? You're just going to have to keep your hands up for maybe 10 minutes while they get it to you. Um, but they will get it to you nonetheless. So just keep your hand up and we'll get that. And um, I will tell you that we're going to be turning to Romans chapter 11. So if you need to... Start fanning your pages. Maybe you're cooling, getting some fresh air as you do it as well. You can take advantage of those moments and get yourself to Romans chapter 11. We uh, are our theme, as you see on the east wall there, in the, on the sticker, it says, His kingdom come, His will be done. And that's kind of an overarching heart, an overarching theme for this year, that in everything we do, we want His kingdom to come. And we want his will to be done. So we, uh, we plan the services. We don't just show up accidentally and just like, well, I hope we all just get along and things somehow work out. Uh, no, we, we, we pray into the service. I, I pray into my notes and I write them down. There's, um, we put things out there. But, you know, when we show up, even like for today, we have to show up with our hands open and say, Lord, more than me getting through my notes, more than the team getting through their set list or anything like that, God, we're here for you. We want your kingdom to come, not my kingdom, not their kingdom, not your kingdom. We want his kingdom to come, and we want his will to be done, and we want it to happen the way he wants it to happen. And so that's kind of what we're looking at here. Uh, two weeks ago, we did a message on what is his kingdom, and um, if you have not heard that message, I want to encourage you to go back uh, you can go on the website, go to one of the things that says streaming, and then you can do sermon player, or you can um, click and it'll take you to YouTube, and you can watch it if you'd prefer to do that. But Travis Arnold did an amazing job just laying out what is the kingdom of God. And then um, last week, I did an outstanding job. I mean, one of the best jobs I could have done. Come on. Um, no, no, it's not for my kingdom. Uh, but on how does his kingdom come? What does that look like for you and I? Or is it even you and I? Are we included in it? Or is it something that we just watch um, kind of separate from? Or do we have an active part? Spoiler alert, you have an active part. And he wants to work through you. And he wants to work in you. And so really looking at that today, we're going to look at what is his will? And next week, you guessed it, we're going to be looking at how is his will done. So today, 
What is his will? I want to look at three main areas. Um, this message could go a whole bunch of different directions depending who was up here. Uh, if I had Travis Arnold up here today, I guarantee you he would take it a completely different way than I'm going to take it. But I wanted to look at three things. Is that his will and desire for everyone. That would be everyone. Say everyone. So that's everyone. It includes the people that you want to be included in the word everyone. And it also includes the people that you would like to not be included in the word everyone. Uh, it doesn't matter how good they are, how bad they are. His, he has a desire. He has a will for everyone. Also looking at his will and desire for the church and all of us as his disciples. So it's almost like this global thing of God's heart for everyone then there's what is he wanting to take place in his church and us as believers, as the family of God, and not just City Harvest Church, but his church globally, what is he wanting to take place? And then his will and desire for each of us individually, because he has a will and a desire for each one of us individually. So to do this, the way we're going to go about this is we're going to read part of Romans and um, and then after we read it, we're going to kind of break it down into three parts and kind of tie in to these three parts. You following me on that? But the other thing we're going to do is we're going to, um, we're going to allow the Bible. Basically, I don't have any notes other than Scripture. And um, so there's not a lot of jokes that I have written down, not a lot of stories. But lucky for you, I never have those written down. And I just speak what pops into my mind. And so we'll see what happens. But there's 12 additional scriptures. And why do I say that? Because I want to prepare you ahead of time. We're going to read a lot of scripture. Now, the reason, though, is what I want to do is I want to read it. And I don't want you just to hear a preacher reading scripture and be like, okay, well, I'll just kind of zone out. And then I'll wait for him to tell me what the point of that scripture was. What I want us to do is to allow scripture to preach to us, allow scripture to minister to us, allow scripture to guide us. And it might actually look a little different for each one of us because it's not me telling you this is what you need to think. It's we're going to read it and we're saying, God, what should I be learning from this? What should I be grabbing from this? How do you want to change me? How do you want to mold me from this? The other thing we're going to do is we're going to point it back to communion. Every, every one of these points, we're going to point back to communion because communion is actually central to the will of God. We, we did a series earlier on, um, I think it was towards the end of last year, on uh, the journey of becoming his from bondage to freedom. And we looked at God's desire when, when, when he created the world and with mankind was to dwell with all of us. He wanted to dwell with us and he wanted us to dwell with him. But our sin and our selfishness creates a separation. Because what we've done is we aren't pursuing his will and we begin to pursue our own will. So what did he have to do? He sent his son to pay the penalty to then draw us back into communion with him. To draw us back into relationship with him. And then communion represents, as we take communion... It's a representation, and that's why we take it in remembrance. It's a representation of what God wants to do with the whole world. He wants to draw us all to him. He's saying there is a seat at the table for every single person in this room. There's a seat at the table 
for every single person outside of this room. He's drawing each one of us in. And so we'll be looking at that in, in how, that, um, how that correlates. So, Father, we just submit this time to you. And God, I ask, no matter who we are, no matter what our current relationship is with you, no matter how much we think we do or don't know about you, that we would open ourselves up for you to minister today. And God, I ask that they would not hear my words, but they would hear your words today. That, Lord, you would minister to each person right where we all are because you know us and you know what we're going through and that you would direct us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, will. Let's look at the word will, W-I-L-L. Dictionary definition, a deliberate or fixed desire or intention, the thing that one desires or ordains. So, what is the will of God? It's, 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 it's his desire, and it's things that he's already ordained to take place. It's his plan. It's, it's what points towards his goal and what he wants to see happen. Now, before, though, we look at these three things individually, what's important to know is that these three things are, not in are never going to be in conflict with one another nor are they ever going to contradict the other. Many times, it's easy to take the bottom one, his desire for us individually, and to get a little skewed in what we think God's desire is, say, for my life, and to think that somehow it's going to contradict with his desire for all mankind, or his desire for the church. It never will. His desire for me is going to look unique compared to his desire for you and in, in, in what he's calling you to. Yes, they're going to be unique, but they're never going to be contradictory. And they're never going to be in competition. If it is, that means I've skewed it. And it will always be complementary to his will and desire for the church, which is always going to be complementary to his will and desire for everyone. Does that make sense? And so to make sure that we know that what he's calling us to is never in contradiction to what he's calling the church to. And if it starts to be, it's a good warning sign for us to kind of pause real quick, look at it, and, and ask him to clarify those things. All right, so turn to your Bibles to Romans chapter 11. And we're going to read at the very end of Romans 11, we're going to go into Romans 12. Now, you might be thinking, is that allowed in church to read the end of one chapter and the beginning of another chapter? Didn't the early church fathers put that big number 12 on the page to divide a thought in that those two were never supposed to go together? No, they did not. They just wanted you to help find it, just like finding your address of where you live. And um, so we are going to read at the end of chapter 11. We're going to start in verse 33. And we're going to end up going through chapter 12, verse 2. I'm reading out the New Living. Verse 33. Oh, how great are God's riches in wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions in his ways. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to give him advice? 
And who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? Earlier, uh, a couple weeks ago, in our daily Bible reading, we're reading one chapter a day to get an overview of the Bible in 365 days this year. But we are reading in Job. And in the book of Job, there's a story of a man who has a lot. And through a course of different events, he loses everything that he has. He has friends and different people who are trying to kind of guide him and help him along. And they have some good advice. And then they also start to have some bad advice. And there's a point where Job is kind of challenging God and asking him, you know, why is this all going on? And towards the end, God starts kind of saying, are you the one that created this? Are you the one that causes this this animal to be able to do this and for this to take place? Are you the one? And he starts throwing this all out and Job has a realization. No, he's not the one. God's the one. And there's, there's a thing of, so even as this is saying here in verse 34, for who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to give him advice? Anybody here ever give God advice? I have. Just this last week, I was at a, a little conference and um, I had a selfish desire. Then I decided to change my heart by praying. But then through the prayer, I told God, what he could and couldn't do. And um, so we do those things every now and then, or at least I do. Uh, Verse 35, and who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. Right there, we have something about the will and desire of God. For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended. I'm just supposed to be reading this. We're supposed to break it down later. I'm sorry. Um, All glory to him forever. Amen. Okay, chapter 12, verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, everyone say, me. I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Any Catholics in here? Come on. So the word, you know, at the end there, it talks about the word perfect. Um, I was telling Tamar, I remember when I was in uh, youth group, I preached a message, and I can't remember, I, I preached it on the three different wills of God. There was the perfect, I know acceptable was in there, and there was a third one, and I can't remember if it was between perfect and acceptable or if it was after acceptable, but the idea being that there's like what God really wants me to do, there's what he would kind of be okay with I'm doing. And then there's what he really would rather me not doing, but he'll allow me to do it. I don't think I should have preached that message, okay? In this this word perfect here, when it's using this, it's, it's really talking about being whole. It's talking about being complete. And it's talking about mature. There's a maturity to it. There's, there's something that we've been drawn into. Um, If you're like me, sometimes you can actually get down to the smallest detail 
has anybody ever, say, been in the grocery store and you're asking God to lead you into what spaghetti sauce to buy? <laughs> and we can get down to these fine-tuned things of, you know, I don't want to make a mistake. There's a 10-cent difference, and I don't know, maybe he wants me to use that 10 cents on something else, and what if this one's going to bring life to me, and this one's going to bring death to me, and what if, what if this jar is going to cause the, the, the person at the cash register to ask me some questions, and then, and then I'm going to lead the guy to Christ, but if I get this jar, I'm going to miss that opportunity, and the guy will never know about God. I think we're overthinking, or I'm overthinking it. Um, But it's really about, am I allowing the work of God to come and change me? And am I starting to walk in it in a way that is complete to who he's called me to be? In a way that, is, that I'm continuing on this journey to, to maturity and his workings are in my life. You and I don't just arrive one day. It is a process. Now, that process isn't a get-out-of-jail-free card of why just continue making mistakes, do whatever you want, doesn't matter. But he knows where we're at. It's no surprise to him. He, you're not going to be like, wait, do you realize who I am? And then he's going to be like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize it. No, he knows where we're at and he knows what's going on in our life. But he wants to bring us to that place of perfection, in this word, in a place of completeness. He wants to draw us into a place of wholeness. He wants to draw us into a place of maturity to become more like him. Okay, so let's look at the first one, his will and desire for everyone. Looking at Romans chapter 11, verse 36, it says, for everything, so everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. Right there, we have a look into God's will and desire for everyone. It says everything. That's talking about everything. Believe it or not, it means everything. You guys get my drift? So everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. So why do we exist for his glory? What's he drawing us into? His glory. What's his desire for every single person? His glory. He's drawing us into his glory. All glory to him forever, amen. All right, I'm gonna read a couple other chapters and I'm gonna read through them fast so I'm not asking you to flick there, okay? Or move there, turn there, whatever way you get there. Matthew chapter 18, verse 14, but I will tell you where they're found. It says, in the same way, it is not my heavenly Father's will that even one of these little ones should perish. So what's his will for everybody? Uh, kind of saying it from the, the opposite side of it, but pointing to the same thing, that no one, not even one would perish, which means I want everyone to be drawn in. First Timothy chapter two, verse three through four, this is good and pleases God our savior, who wants everyone, say it with me, everyone, to be saved and to understand the truth. So what's his will for everyone? He wants everyone to know who he is, to have an opportunity to taste and see that he is good, to know that he is a good father who says, I know the mistakes you've made. I want you to come home. I've missed you. 
I want you to be with me. I want to do a work in you. Even going back, he's always wanted to dwell with us, and he's always wanted us to dwell with him. That's his intention for all humankind, and it always has been. That's his heart. Why is this important? Because if we miss this, then we will miss... I was thinking that those three points were still up there. They're not supposed to be. They're doing a great job. The, if we miss this point, then we can't really operate in his will and desire for us personally properly. Because then we're focused on ourself instead of focusing on everyone. Because at the basis of his will and desire is that everyone, every single person is drawn unto him. And if we miss that, then what I start doing is I start living just for what he wants to do in me. Which means then I kind of get competitive and I start pushing other people aside because I need to do what he called me to do. But with this, I slow down and realize that every single one of you has a place. And he wants to draw each one of you. So now I'm trying to walk with you arm in arm. I'm saying, let's go do this together. Everybody I see, I want to draw in. Tie into communion, John 3, 16 through 17. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that... My translation says everyone, so just work with me. So that... There we go. Who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. He sent his one and only son to pay the penalty for your and my sin so that all of us, so that everyone could have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. So when we take communion here in a little bit, part of the remembrance is that it's not just for us. The gift of communion is for everyone, for all humankind, the people like us and the people different than us, the people we like and the people we don't like, the people who don't like us and the people that like us. His gift, his forgiveness, his redemption is for everyone. He wants all to come and experience it. All right, number two, or oh, one more verse, sorry on that. Matthew 6, 14 through 15. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive, never mind. We're going to get back there. I just want to give you a little sneak peek of where we're headed. We're not headed there yet, folks. But I don't want you to be condemned when we get there. So if there's anybody you need to forgive, start forgiving them now. I'm okay if you're a little distracted for this next part of my message. Um, I just want you to walk in guilt-free. And I wouldn't want you to be condemned and feel guilt as we go into that verse. Okay, so the next part where we're actually at is his will and desire for the church and for all of us as his disciples. So looking at Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. So here we have where us as disciples, and I, we're going to say it and we're going to say it again and we're going to say it again and we're going to keep saying it. You are a disciple. He is calling you. 
He didn't just call a few. He didn't just call a couple talented. He didn't just call a couple anointed or gifted. He calls all of us, and then he gifts us, he anoints us, and he sends us out. Every single one of us, not one person in this room was called or created to be a spectator. All of us are on the team. Anybody in here, pick last, dodgeball, elementary school, recess. I want you to know he's picking you first. You might not be able to throw very far. They might catch every ball. Well, you know what? That actually makes you better because as you throw the gospel to them, they actually get it, okay? So we're all called to be followers of Jesus and to be his disciples, every one of us. I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let's remember what he's done for us. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. How do we worship him? Yeah, we sing songs, but worship isn't just songs. It's our attitude. It's the way we use the gifts that he gave us. That's why we, we encourage that as we, we give of our tithes and our offerings, that, that we do it as an act of worship. That's why if you're, if you're serving as a door greeter, you're in a kid's class, it's an act of worship. The only worshipers in here serving aren't just the ones that are playing an instrument or singing, it's all of us. Everything we do, the way we live our lives is supposed to be an act of worship. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 through 39. So we're looking at what is, what is his will and his desire for us as disciples in the church. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with your heart and your soul and your mind. All of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind. I want you to know that means all that you are. Okay, we're supposed to love God with everything inside of us. This is the first and the greatest commandment. The second is equally important. I want you to know I get a little confused on that. To me, there's a first or a second, and one's either either the greatest or the not greatest. And um, but whatever, he has his way of doing it. Not my will, his will to be done. So that we love God with everything. But here's the deal. If we're truly loving God that way, with all that we are, loving others is the byproduct. And it happens with it. If we can't love others, do you know what that, if you're struggling to love others, do you know what that means? You're struggling to love God with all that you are. Once we come, and it's going to be a constant thing, come to a place of learning how to love God with all that we are, loving others comes naturally. It just flows out of us. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commands. What's his heart for the church? That we love him with everything that we are. Which means we come in and we just want to give him all the praise, all the glory. Whether we like the song, we don't like the song. Whether we think the person next to us is the person we thought was going to be next to us or not. Whether we like who's preaching or not. Whether we like the lighting or we don't like the lighting. How many people wish it was darker in here? 
How many people wish it was lighter in here? We're not actually taking a survey and we're not going to make any changes. I just, just wanted to play the game and just to see, see your thoughts. <clears throat> um, so his desire is for us to love him with all that we are. And then for that love to flow out of us to every single person that we come in contact with. Our family members, yes, it is tough. Our neighbors, they can get a little frustrating. Our coworkers, extremely annoying. Our fellow classmates, a lot of bullies. It can be tough, but he still wants to express his love to them through you and I. Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, say, that's me. Say it like you actually kind of believe it this time. That's me. I have been given all authority in heaven on earth. This is Jesus, not me talking about this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you, dwelling with us in community, his desire, his will, always, even to the end of the age. So here, as a church, what is he calling us to? As Christians, as disciples, is to love him with every single thing we are. With all of it. And that from that place, that we would love others the same. Not based off of whether we agree with them. Not based off of whether we think they deserve it or not. Not based off of whether or not they've ever wronged us. We love them because he first loved us. And that then... We wouldn't just sit and love the people around us kind of passively, but that we would go with actual action, with actual passion, with energy to go into all the world, everywhere, to the grocery store, to the school, to your neighbors, to your next family reunion, whatever it is that we would go to present the gospel and to be his hands and feet. John 13, 34 through 35. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Here you are. You guys are ready for this one now. We've prepared our hearts. We're all good. We're going to accept it in its fullness. Matthew 6, 14 through 15. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. This ties into communion. As we come to the table, if I sit here and I want to partake of the goodness of God, I want to partake of the forgiveness of God, I want to partake of the redemption of God, because I believe that's what he has for me. But as a disciple and as a church, We say, no, you're not deserving to come to the table. He doesn't want you here. Go clean up your act first. Now, do we need to take it with respect of what it represents? Yes. Is there a heart change that needs to take place where we're saying, Lord, I'm not just taking cracker and a juice. I'm doing it in remembrance, which means I'm I'm believing. I'm putting my faith in what you did for me. Absolutely. 
But as a church, as disciples, as Christians, we got to remember what he's called us to do. His desire is to dwell with all of us in everyone. Sin, mistakes, selfishness have gotten in the way. But Jesus made a way to redeem it. Jesus created a bridge. And his desire is still for everyone to come to him. So as I take communion, I remember why Jesus had to go to the cross. Because God's intent was to dwell with me. But my own attitude got in the way and Jesus had to pay the penalty for that. As I take communion, I remember that it's not just a gift for me. It's a gift for everyone. And so as he's forgiven me, I need to forgive you. Yes, you have things I need to forgive you for, okay? God knows you need to forgive me. Maybe that's what this message is really about. No. But we come to that place and we remember so that when we take it, we're remembering all that it stands for. But let's look at what does this look like for us individually. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn. Learn. That means it's going to be a process. It doesn't say then he'll snap his fingers and you'll be all better. You're going to learn. It's a journey. It's a process. It's day to day. So that means you maybe preached the wrong message when you were in high school at the youth group about the will of God. And 20 years from now, I might replay this message and be like, dear God, what was I thinking? Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you that I'm learning. Thank you that you're teaching me. We learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. If the ushers would come forward and you guys would begin uh, passing out the communion elements. John 6, 38 says, For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. So this is Jesus talking. So now we're talking about us individually. And our attitude should be like Jesus. This is what he did as an individual that fit into God's greater plan. He says, for I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. Luke chapter 4, verse 17 through 19. Jesus goes in and they give him the scroll. He says, the scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. This is him announcing who he is. It's announcing what the will of the Father was for him and what the, God desired to do in and through him. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to dwell with him, to be with him. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor he has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released. Come on. That the blind will see. That the oppressed will be set free. That the time of the Lord's favor has come. Man, I tell you, I hope that we all begin to rise up to the call that God has on our lives. That the poor, and we're not talking bank account. We're talking mentality. We're talking spirit. Would know the good news of who Jesus is. 
that those that are captives, and we're not just talking about those that happen to be in jail. We're talking about those that are bound by life, those that are captive by addiction, that they would be released, that people would be, the oppressed would be set free, and to know that God's favor is there. Luke 19, 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. What was God's will for him? To seek and save those who are lost. Matthew 26, 39, he went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. Even to the point where he's about to be beaten, he was about to be mutilated. He was about to be betrayed. He was about to be rejected. He was about to be accused. He was about to be falsely lied about. All these different things. He knows what's about to come. And he's there and he's saying, God, man, if there's any way you could take this from me, take it. But he ends with, but Lord, not my will. Your will be done. How many times, though, do we... Ah, oh, that's next week's message. I'm sorry, I'm not going to take from it. Thank you. She gave me permission. How many times do we get to that same place because he's asking us to do something? And we give him all the reasons why we shouldn't have to do it, and then we get up and we walk away because we feel justified. Or do we end it and say, not my will but your will be done, knowing that he's with us all the way and he'll guide us and he'll strengthen us. Matthew 26, 42. Then Jesus left them a second time. He just wanted to double check with God that he truly knew what was going on and the answer he had heard was still it. So he left them a second time and prayed, my father, if this cup cannot be taken away, unless I drink it, your will be done. What is his will? So we already read Matthew 18, 14. In the same way, it is not my heavenly father's will that even one of these little ones should perish. He wants all of us. He wants to dwell with you. And he wants you to dwell with him. He wants everyone to be with him in community. It's his desire. He's not pushing any of us away. He's wanting to bring us in. That's for everyone. That should be the heart of the church. That everyone can come in. John 3, 16 through 17. For this is how God loved the world. For this is how God loved you. That he gave his one and only son so that everyone, so that you who believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. His will, his desire is to dwell with us. His will, his desire 
is for us to surrender our life completely to him and allow him to be God. His will and his desire for us, all of us, is to love him with all that we are and to love others as he has loved us. His will and his desire for all of us is to go everywhere to everyone and share who Jesus is to you. His will and his desire for you as an individual is for you to take whatever it is he's asked you to do and to trust him and to walk in it. And to say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. This is really good and dramatic right now. My voice had lowered, but I actually don't have the elements. <clears throat> well, but then you won't. Have, oh, you want to break them together? Oh. No. Because we can actually share a cup. Hey, just get up here with me, dear. Aw. Look at this. Little marriage conference. Real quick. I'm good. Thanks. Uh, the praise team, if you guys, after we take communion, just pop up here. And we'll... Uh, We'll sing. Lord, we don't always understand you. I know I don't always understand you. The way this whole world goes round and how it all came about, and how some people say yes to you and others say no. Natural disasters, just pain and suffering, disease, I don't get it. Say right here, right now, I don't understand it all the time. But God, I know you're good. And I know that you are a good father. And I know that my little pea brain isn't always going to understand it. And I know you have a will. You have a, you have a desire for each one of us. God, today I want to take this communion Yes, in remembrance, Jesus, of, of your death and your resurrection, your broken body, your shed blood for me. But I also want to take it in remembrance of your desire for all mankind. I want to take it in remembrance of your desire for us as a church community and what you're calling us to. I want to take it in remembrance and believe that it's not just for me, but you want it for everyone. I want to take it in remembrance so that, I, that you would come and you would change me, that I would learn how to live more like you, to love others better, to forgive others more, to hold no one back. God, I want to take it in remembrance that Jesus, that you didn't say no to the Father's will and the purpose he he put on your life but you said yes so God right now I say yes God my heart is that we would all say yes to you and allow you to be God even when we don't understand it even when it's scary even when it's uncomfortable that it wouldn't be about our feelings but it would be about you and us serving you us offering ourselves to you and saying Lord man this seems really bad but if this is what you want me to do, and this is what you're calling me to, I say yes.
If you're in here today and you've never said yes to Jesus, or maybe you did years ago, I want you to know you have an opportunity right now to say yes. And to even be honest and to say, I don't actually understand all of this. I'm a tad bit confused. Welcome to the club. If there's a club in this, it's that we're all still in discovery and we're all still learning. But today you have an opportunity to say, Jesus, I want to take my crown off. I want to get off of my throne and I want you to be the leader of my life. I want to surrender my will, my desires for your will in your desires. Would you come and change me from the inside out? Would you come and I put my faith that you really did pay the penalty for my mistakes.